Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of On Air with the Chair. As always, I am your MEC Chairman, Captain Nicholas James, and today we're going to talk to you a little bit about what is most important on your mind, which is where we are in the state of negotiations with respect to retention. Now, as it is a subject of an ongoing negotiation, I am going to be a little limited in the things that I can uh, talk about as far as specifics, but I will be able to tell you what is driving this negotiation, uh, kind of some time frames are associated with it and some general details. So let's just jump right into this. And let's start by talking to the pilot group about what is driving or pushing this negotiating opportunity. And this will come as no surprise to the pilots. It's our attrition level. We are now a shrinking airline. We have lost more pilots than we have hired since last October. Can't remember off the top of my head if we're down 22 or 24 pilots, but it's somewhere in that realm. At a time when we are onboarding record numbers of pilots, obviously that is a trend that needs to be addressed by the company. But you have to look a little bit beyond the attrition and you have to say, what is driving that attrition? Well, first and foremost, it's just the demand at career-style airlines, whether you're talking about the big three, which is United American and Delta, or if you're talking about a LCC such as Spirit, Allegiant, Frontier, JetBlue, everybody right now is in the pilot hiring game. I think what complicates the situation, especially with the LCCs, at least for the fever departure market, is the fact that the LCC CBAs, the Collective Bargaining Agreements, are nearly as lucrative or in some cases more lucrative than the legacy CBAs. And so there's a lot of really great opportunities out there for the pilot group to jump on arguably the biggest seniority wave that we've ever seen um, in this industry and get on the front side of that and start grabbing that seniority. Depending upon what data point you look at or who you talk to, when you look at the announced hiring projections for 2022, and we're only including in that Delta United American Alaska Southwest, JetBlue, FedEx, UPS, um, Frontier, and Sun Country, as we didn't have reliable data on Hawaiian or Allegiant. When you just take a look at those carriers, you're looking at somewhere between 10 and 12,000 pilots being hired in 2022 alone. Okay. Now, what is driving that demand? We all know about the retirements. The retirement started in 2014, and they're projected to go out until 2038, 2040, depending upon, again, which data point you're looking at. For most carriers, uh, the peak retirements come somewhere in the neighborhood of real late in 2024 on through about 2027. So we haven't even hit peak retirements, and yet we're seeing some insatiable demand as far as pilot hiring is concerned. So it can't just be the retirements that are driving this. In conjunction with retirements, you're seeing a lot of organic growth. Uh, especially within the low-cost carrier market. That's where you're actually seeing a lot of growth and market share come into play. And with growth means more jobs. The last component that is driving the attrition is the VOPs. Now, every single carrier is going to have a different name for it. VOP just happened to be the program that Delta did, which was the voluntary early out program. But you remember, these VOP programs were very popular during the pandemic as a methodology to get costs off the books. Because cash conservation at that point in time was of paramount concern to all of the airlines. Um, they were trying to conserve cash so that they could save it and keep their operation moving and keep their uh, employees 
on payroll for as long as they possibly could until we reached the other side of this pandemic. Unfortunately, in the need to get cash off the books, they cut a little too deep. And I think that's why you're seeing the high demand levels as they're trying to backfill for all of those voluntary early out programs. So this has led to a wonderful opportunity for all of the pilots of Endeavor and really all of the pilots within the network for advancement and movement. Now, when you take a look at the regional airline supply, when you take a look at what I call the mainline regional, so you're talking about SkyWest, Republic, Envoy, Endeavor, PSA, Mesa, Horizon, Piedmont, Commuter, and Air Wisconsin, um, you're looking at probably right around 18,000 pilots. Oh, excuse me, GoJet is in there as well. You're looking at about 18,000 pilots. When you take a look at the niche operators, so you're talking about the Cape Air, uh, Silver Airways, Raven, Seaborn, Key Lime, some of these other ones, you've got about eight or 900 pilots. So there's only about 19,000 total pilots within the regional airline market. And not all of them, whether they're at one of the more mainstream uh, regionals or one of the niche operators, not all of those pilots are looking to move on. So not all of those 19,000 pilots are even available to fill this, again, insatiable demand. And surely we also understand that not all of that demand is going to be filled by the regional airline pilot. There will be some pilots that will come from the corporate ranks or the 135 ranks. We absolutely understand that, but the vast majority will come from current 121 regional operators. So you've got a recipe within the next probably 18 months or so, if this hiring demand continues, where you will see a complete flip of the regional airline industry. So what that means is that the fee-for-departure market can no longer just compete against other fee-for-departure carriers. They have to compete with the low-cost carriers, and in my opinion, they're going to have to compete with the mainline carriers. They're going to have to entice a pilot to forego, again, the greatest seniority wave we've ever seen. And as we know as pilots, we hold seniority to be sacrosanct for all areas of our lives. That's why pilots are chasing this. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the American Airlines deal that was announced in late August. About two days after that deal was announced, um, and actually before I get into that, what I probably should say is my initial reaction when I read the deal was, wow, $150,000 payment program. That is a very large number. It's going to do an excellent job recruiting pilots into your ranks, simply because when you're coming out of college with six figures, uh, or sometimes even multiples of six figures in student loan debt, $150,000 speaks loudly. And it's very clear that it's, it's going to do great from an acquisition front. But from a retention front, and that's the problem they were trying to address, money is not the right solution because money is not the reason that these pilots are leaving. These pilots are leaving to chase seniority. So at that point in time, I made a couple of phone calls, you know, one to the Endeavor leadership, the other one to the Delta MEC leadership. And we just kind of um, expressed our opinions on the matter that, yes, in order to stay competitive, we are going to probably need to get into the retention game. Time frame was a little unknown at that time. But if you really wanted the most effective tool, we needed a seniority and longevity accrual based system here at Endeavor. That is really the ultimate solution. Now, could we go down the monetary path? Absolutely. Um, but really, it's going to just be a band aid approach. It will have some effect. It'll put a tourniquet on the wound, but it isn't going to heal the wound because it doesn't truly address the issue at hand. So we had those conversations early on, and we encouraged the parties to try to get together and, and come to some sort of an agreement. I think what is clouding or complicating the issue at the moment is the fact that 
Section sixes are happening all over the place. All of the major airline carriers uh, have their contracts open. Delta is no different. And when you think about a section six at a mainline carrier, you're talking about a multi-billion dollar contract. It is a very, very big deal, both for the company and for the MEC and its pilots. And so I think really that's kind of where the focus has been, at least at this point in time. And so now we're in a situation where we've gone from August to February, and we really haven't made any progress on a seniority-based system. We're also kind of hurtling ourselves towards the next September-October timeframe, when it looks like, at least the projections are showing, we are going to run out of captain-qualified first officers. So there is a need on Endeavor and Delta's part to try to figure out how to mitigate that threat, because if we don't have enough captains here at this airline, we are going to have to park jets and we are going to potentially give up market share. And that is something that is very, very sensitive to Delta. So they're going to have to take an intermediate step and do what is within their control at this point, which is a monetary retention program. Now, from the outset, Delta um, stated to us two things. Number one, that the monetary retention program that they envisioned would be significantly less than the American Airlines deal in recognition of the fact that their belief is that Delta is a better carrier to go to than American as far as your long-term prospects are concerned. Now, while we might be able to give a tip of the cap on a balance sheet perspective that Delta is in a better position than American, pilots are still not chasing a balance sheet, they're chasing seniority. And so what we've told the company is, we'll engage you on you know, whatever offer that you come in with, but we still have to put a meaningful enough package together to entice pilots to stay here. And, and that has got to be part of the equation. The second thing that they've said to us is that they were looking for some offsets in this monetary retention program. The challenge there is they are late, uh, way, way late in this game as far as the market is concerned for us to be able to offer any type of contractual relief for a monetary retention plan. This is something that about three and a half to four years ago, when I first sat down and spoke with the Delta executives about a career progression plan, you know, I kind of tried to champion the message that it's not if we do career progression, it's when the market forces you to do it. And if you wait until the market forces you to do it, career progression in and of itself may not be enough. What we were championing back then was a cap program that was even more restrictive than the one that we currently have in place here. And the message that I tried to send to Delta at that time was, we're not even going to be talking about the cap as we envision it back in 2018. We may not even be talking about a flow. We may have to be talking about something more than a flow in order to prop up this carrier in this industry. And so there was a little bit of foresight there, uh, a little bit of foreshadowing for the uh, Delta and the company, but they, you know, they declined our offer and here we are. We get a flow and just a couple of months later, here comes an industry defining and a revolutionary package of $150,000. We signed the cap in November, but the cap really isn't going to do much to keep people here. And so now we're in a situation where we are entertaining a monetary offer. So there are two parts to this potential deal that we're looking at. Part A is going to be a monetary-based retention program, and part B is going to be some contractual relief. Now, in terms of part A, our aim is to try to create a number that entices pilots to stay and retain service at this airline. This potential deal is going to have a service requirement to it, and that service requirement could be waived in the result of a few different things happening, such as a pilot transitioning to Delta or a pilot retiring from Endeavor. 
We'll have more details as we get through the negotiation, but that's kind of the meat and potatoes of it. It's structured in a very similar fashion, though in some ways a little bit more advantageous than the American Airlines deal. Um, And again, it's still an ongoing negotiation, so things could be in flux, but that kind of gives you some idea of what we're working on on that side of the package. On the other side of the package, as far as contractual relief, we told the company, as always, since we've done 129 LOAs in 10 and a half years, we're willing to entertain a proposal that you put in front of us, but that is going to have to also be paired with significant contractual upside for the pilots of Endeavor. So the message that we're sending is we're creating two sides of this package, and in each side, it is going to be weighted very heavily and very favorably towards the pilots and towards the MEC, because that is the environment that we are in. Now, to the company's credit, they came in with a more targeted list this time than they did back in May, where they had, I think, like two dozen or 24 uh, items on their ask list. This one contained, I think, maybe a half a dozen, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, So they did come in with a more targeted list. We are trying to build a list um, that obviously is consistent with the strategic objectives of the pilots of Endeavor that also adds value into the contract and could act as potential retention and productivity tools um, for the company. When you create an outsized package, one of the ways that you can accomplish that and get the company to say yes is to show them how the things that you're getting can also benefit them. That's how you get more on your side of the scale. So that's what we're trying to do um, on our end. Now, costing becomes you know, one of those exercises that has to be done, and, and that is something that usually takes quite a bit of time. And the company has asked for about a 30 to 60-day window um, on this negotiation. If we are going to get into the weeds on costing, I could see it going far beyond that 60 days. But if the company wants to come to a deal a little faster, maybe we dispense with some of the costing exercises and we just accept things that are reasonable at the table and we make a deal and we move on. We'll, we'll know more a little bit later. As far as our first meeting with the company, that happened um, the week before the MEC meeting. Then we went into the MEC meeting. We briefed your representatives on the deal and on the progress and where we were looking to go with it. And we will be meeting with the company on February 3rd, which is a Thursday, that will be our next meeting with the company. And we'll see uh, at the conclusion of that meeting when or where we're going to schedule future meetings. Um, This is more indicative of kind of a normal pace of negotiations. I know some pilots have started to get used to the fact that we go into a room on a Monday and by a Wednesday or Thursday, we've reached a deal and sometimes a deal that, you know, really advances our strategic objectives a great deal. That is kind of atypical. This is more of a typical pace. So we definitely thank you for your patience. So I know that the pilots are really interested in knowing what the number is. And we're not going to be able to talk about, you know, what the company offered or what we're countering or anything of that as that is a subject of an ongoing negotiation. And we don't want to set a false expectation. But what we can tell you is that the company is trying to stem the tide of attrition to the LCCs. They believe that is the recipe for success. We believe the recipe for success is also competing with pilots that are going to the Deltas and the Uniteds and the FedExes and the UPSs. Um, Unfortunately, within the fee-for-departure economic model, we're probably not going to be able to compete with those carriers unless we have a seniority, longevity, advanced accrual system here at Endeavor. And that just doesn't seem like it's going to happen in the near term. So again, we're more focused on just creating this monetary system and letting the pilots decide whether that monetary system is enough to allow them to forego an opportunity at an LCC or a possible mainline 
and wait for their opportunity at Delta. Pilots will tell us whether it is or not. The great thing is, if it is, then that means that this was the right solution. And if it's not, what it means is Delta has just made another investment into the JCBA, albeit you know they want to make it a temporary retention plan, which is fine because the last time we saw a temporary retention plan here at Endeavor, we monetized it into a permanent rate that skyrocketed us into the industry. So I, I would say that we are strategically very well served by taking a temporary program because we will likely be able to monetize that later into the JCBA. Once money goes into a contract, it's very difficult to come out. So we're kind of operating under the mantra that this is likely not temporary. Now, will it take different shapes and different forms? Yeah, it very well could, but likely not temporary. Now to switch gears uh, just one more time, one final time, I should say, when you think about the strategic objectives that the MEC is targeting, and we've already said some of the things that we'd like to see um, already, so these won't come as a surprise, but you know, things like a sick bank payout. Now, the sick bank payout, uh, we don't have that system right now, and it would likely only apply to pilots that would be transitioning to Delta or retiring from the airline. Uh, but that's kind of how you advance your initiatives, and then you could look to improve upon that later, and maybe it applies to a larger segment of the pilot group in a future negotiation. But a sick bank payout is, is something that we think uh, would be very valuable. The other thing that we thought would be very valuable would be trip duty rigs. Obviously, we've heard a lot from the pilot group as far as schedule quality. And here's the great thing about the trip duty rig right now. It's only going to be able to solve for efficiency to a certain degree. And if your seniority can hold those more efficient trips, then yes, you absolutely will get more days off. But where that can't occur, and I think in this environment, it probably won't occur more than it will occur, the rig will trip and you will get paid more for the time that you are at work. And what we know is to make an employee happy, you can either give them more time off or you can give them more pay. And that's kind of the beauty of the trip duty rig is depending upon your seniority, it can trigger one or the other as we wait for these additional block hours to get flexed back into the Endeavor network. And once that gets flexed back into the network, our schedules will become more normalized and a trip duty rig will have a more normalized value. The hard part with the trip duty rig right now with inefficient schedules is it's going to be a high cost item and the company is going to probably blink at that uh, more than three or four times as they see that number. What we're going to try to impress upon the company is this isn't just about a number. This is about quality of life. And if we don't have a seniority based system, then we have to pay pilots and we have to improve their quality of life in order to make sure that we're able to retain their services. And so this isn't just about the dollar value as far as trip duty rig or retention or any of our other asks. This is about the revenue loss if we have to start parking airplanes and they have to start giving up market share to their competitors, which right now are the LCCs. So that gives you some insights as to what is going on at the bargaining table. We try to be as transparent as we possibly can through um, hotlines, chairman updates, these types of podcasts. Obviously, once we come to a deal, as always, we are going to brief you in detail on that on the deal, and we'll likely have another on-air with the chair live call in order to accomplish that. For now, just again, please be patient. Focus on just flying the aircraft, serving the passengers, serving the customers, being safe out there, and the rest of this will certainly take care of itself. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to a negotiator or an officer or a rep, and we will answer what we can. Do you have time for a question? 4562 going. Any red reports up ahead? Yeah, 
All right, now it's time for a question from the front line and why we didn't have anybody specifically write in about this topic. We do know that there are a number of pilots out there that are talking about it, and it is the impending expiration of the positive space program here at Endeavor, which still is not set to expire until the end of the October bid period 2022. So we do have some time, but we field questions uh, periodically about what is the MEC doing to continue to secure uh, positive space flying. The unfortunate answer is there isn't really going to be a whole lot that we're going to be able to do. There really isn't a scenario where we are going to receive positive space flying and the Delta mainline pilots are not. That's kind of the unfortunate conundrum that we are in. Now, if the Delta MEC and the Delta pilots were able to secure either an extension to their positive space agreement or it becomes a permanent part of their pilot working agreement or PWA, then yes, just like we did at the early outset of the pandemic. We would invoke the provisions of LOA 91, and we would meet to that, and we would have that as part of a permanent part of our JCBA or an extension as applicable. Um, But there really isn't going to be anything that we're going to be able to do to get it on our own absent it being given to a Delta pilot. So hopefully that clears up any questions or confusions out there on the line. We know that positive space is a big and very valuable item um, for you. We think it gives Delta and the Delta Connection Network, or at least Endeavor, the wholly owned subsidiary, a strategic advantage at a time when you've got to be competing with pilots um, and competing for pilots. Remember, they're not just competing anymore to bring pilots in from schoolhouses. They're also having to compete with the LCCs. Many low-cost carriers such as Spirit, JetBlue, I think Allegiant and Frontier have all created direct entry programs with colleges and universities. You know, if you're a pilot coming out of college and you have a choice of flying an RJ or flying a bus, which one do you think you're going to take? And if you're going to be a commuting pilot, this does give an advantage to Endeavor and to the Delta network to try to bring them in the ranks. And they're going to need every advantage that they can get. So I could see it certainly envision several scenarios where we do see this um, come to fruition and we are able to get an extension or a permanent part of the JCBA but it is completely dependent upon what happens at the Delta MEC level. So as always, if you have a question um, or a topic for the show, please send it to edvonair at alpa.org. That's edvonair at alpa.org. Thank you for listening. Uh, Reach out with any questions. Fly safe, be safe out there, and we'll see you on the line. Take care. Send everything to 531, runway 28, quit land.